Conference players and all the coaches. Wide receivers cutting their routes and getting open. Feels like Panther Nation is getting hopeless. Fighting back and forth with each other with mixed emotion. Right now isn't the time we should be broken. Cheering our Panthers on, keeping them focused. Coming out the gate, we ready, we hot smoking. Executing play after play, you know the motive, yeah. It's a wrap when a line get the sack. Or a pick from them thieves that stay creeping in the back. Linebacker with the blitz, he ain't see him, he was quick. Panther Nation going wild, this is how we represent. Man, it's 53 grown men, acting their age. Not missing assignments and making spectacular plays. It's exciting when we roar like the run. And hopefully for Mr. Panther Nation, the fire has been ignited. The nation, Panther Pride, until the end, we will fight. Now let's go. Welcome to the On the Proud podcast. I'm your host, Delmar Miner, and I also have with me. Hi, it's me, Joel. All right, guys, we're going to go through and recap this uh, Chargers uh, game. And actually, the Panthers scored their first win in almost a year. So uh, let's just hop right in and get straight to it. So, Joel, what are your thoughts on the game? Uh, like you said, it's a win. You got to go with that. Although that play at the end there was kind of scary. They kept playing that over and over. If he would have just caught the ball, he would have ran into the end zone. So, you know, sometimes luck's on our side. I agree, sir. And honestly, I, I think, uh, and I'll talk about this later, but sometimes the ball just needs to bounce your way. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, thankfully for the Panthers, it bounced their way on Sunday. Yeah. You know, people were talking about, you know, Panthers going to be 0-16, and and all I kept saying was it has to be a perfect storm of bad coaching, bad players, and bad luck. And I think good luck hit the the Panthers on Sunday. Yeah, finally, finally, we needed it. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, I won't lie, I felt like I had just won the Super Bowl when I saw that win, when I felt that (laughs) W. It's been a long time. Since feeling feeling the feeling of winning, so man, it was great to have I know, to finally my, get on that W column. I ever tell you about my happiest moments watching pro football? No, what it what? Oh, okay, okay, my the, the happiest moment I can imagine winning the Super Bowl would feel this way was in December twenty fourth when the Browns beat the Chargers and went one in fifteen that year. I was so happy. I, mean, I was jumping up and down, screaming and yelling. Like, like it was like better than winning the Super Bowl because I knew that that team would be forgotten. It was amazing. I'm still happy about it. I'm like, yeah, kick the field goal, win the game. So I get wow. you. I understand. <laughs> hey, and it's okay because listen, you know our beloved Panthers. They've gone one and fifteen before too, so it can happen. Mm-hmm. The one win, you know. But that one win, you didn't go zero and sixteen. So right, see, I didn't I even, I couldn't even remember that the Panthers went one and fifteen. So that's what one win does for you. It keeps you out of the record books. It keeps you off of Twitter. It keeps you off of Facebook. You know, people don't make fun of you ruthlessly for like years to come. Well, <laughs> I. I, I all I can say is, like I said, man, I was so happy. And I think all of Panther Nation is just breathing a sigh of relief that this team does appear good enough to actually compete and win on Sunday, finally. Mm-hmm. Panthers did a lot of different – I mean, we're going to so, get into the game, but Panthers did a lot of different stuff on Sunday than it did the previous two games, too. So there's some good stuff to chat about. Oh, yeah. So, so let's get into it. So uh, let's start talking about – Let's let's go to the offense first. So um, the offense was relatively good Sunday, but the problem was we couldn't get in the end zone. Um, for some reason, you know, we could drive the ball, but get in the red zone and stall. Only one offensive touchdown on the day from a screen pass uh, to Mike Davis, whom he had a mm-hmm. good game in replace yes. of Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. 
So, Joe, what are your takes on the offense, man? Uh, the offense is going to get in the end zone. I think some of that becomes a discussion of the offensive line play. You get down that close, that seems to be Bridgewater's area, right? You know, you got that small, tight window. So he doesn't really like to throw the ball real far. Um, but at that point, you've got increased pressure. You have more people closer to the line of scrimmage, just given the proximity between the 20-yard line and the end zone. <clears throat> so you have an increased uh, necessity for that offensive line to hold things together um, for for the, the offense. And, and the offensive line, I mean, do I have to mention Greg Little? I mean, <laughs> um, but I think the offensive line did okay, but what, that's where you really start to see the weaknesses. Well, you know, based on – you know, Sunday's performance, the offensive line actually performed quite well mm-hmm. considering we started Greg Little and I think his name is Trenton Scott at left tackle. Uh, Dennis Daly was still out, and I believe there might have been another injury on the line possibly. But um, that Chargers defensive line is very stout, and for us to only mm-hmm. give up two sacks, I was impressed. I mean, Moten was doing a pretty good job there on Bosa. <clears throat> Moten lined them both line up on Moten. You didn't think Bosa was in the game. You know, Melvin uh oh man just lost his name. Uh Melvin Ingram. Ingram. I was gonna say Gordon, but he's a running back. Melvin Ingram not playing was helpful. I mean, that that kind of helped the situation out a little bit. But I mean, when I talk about the offensive line down in the red zone, I'm talking about your interior, right? You gotta be able to have that push on the front to run the football or at least prevent defensive tackles from getting into the gaps and like trying to muddy that stuff up <clears throat> so that's sitting there so I, I just think the red zone becomes a matter of practice 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 that's where when your offense is um in sync and working together for a long time that's when that red stuff red zone stuff shows up that's a kind of example of <clears throat> new system people are all getting used to well you know what and even though the panthers play pretty well without christian mccaffrey this was an area of the field where we really missed him because mm-hmm. he's usually the guy that can punch it in. And, you know, without him, it seems like, I don't know if it was the play calling. I don't know if it was the offensive continuity, but it's just for some reason we would get down there. We couldn't punch it in and we would settle for field goals. Now that worked on Sunday, but that's not going to work against every team. So we kind of right. got away with one. Again, luck. Luck comes on your side. If if fortune smiles upon you that day, that's all you need to get a victory. <clears throat> and I agree with you. I mean, McCaffrey is such a big weapon on the team as a whole, but particularly in the red zone when you can use him in space or you can decoy him or you can like use him up the middle or in space, it creates somebody that the defense has to focus on. Without that one person to focus on, you've got the defense kind of able to um, – give everyone the attention they deserve. Yeah, and and another thing, too, you know, going back to Teddy Bridgewater, you know, Teddy played a good game on Sunday. He really did. He managed the game. He did exactly what he needed to do to make sure there were no turnovers. Um, his accuracy was pretty, pretty on point. So, you know, Sunday, I will admit he did impress me. I just feel like, you know, I would love to see a few more deep shots, but based on the – the stats, Teddy's been taking about five deep shots a game and completing close to two to three of those. So seems like he's going down the field, but I just think defenses haven't – he hasn't done enough yet to to kind of, you know, back the defense off. Or force the defense to reckon with it. Without McCaffrey there, defenses can sit back and sit in like a cover two or a cover three and then just challenge the Panthers to run the ball, which I think the Panthers did a great job of running the ball. <clears throat> and that kind of setup. So hopefully Mike Davis plays well enough that the teams are going to have to start respecting that run again and come up and try to open up some of that deep passing routes. You know, I agree. And I, I guess also, too, um, I would like to see them continue to use Curtis Samuel in very creative ways like they did. I like the mm-hmm. fact that he was running the ball. I enjoyed the fact that he was catching the ball. You know, that guy's a versatile weapon. Use him, you know, make make the defense, stretch the defense, you know, use your playmakers in space, you know, use them and, you know, use their talents. You know, if Curtis Samuel can run it, heck, give him a few carries a game like you did. You know, mm-hmm. I think they keep the defense honest. And also that gets him involved because I think, if, if you can get Curtis Samuel involved and actually make him a threat, 
you know, the Panthers offense will open up so much more with or without McCaffrey. Yeah, I'd like to see him run some screen passes at him. You can't uh, pull one of those Tampa Bay things where you throw the ball to the other player, but the other team. But, you know, I'd like to see him run some Curtis Samuel screen passes. If you could run a double screen with McCaffrey on one side and Samuel on the other side, like the um, the Chiefs run these double screens all the time, that's a great addition to the Panther offense right there. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to talk me into talking about Curtis Samuel. I mean, I think Curtis Samuel could be a phenomenal weapon in this offense. And at least they started to get into that direction on Sunday, which I appreciated. You're right. And for one thing, I I really enjoyed. I thought Joe Brady actually called a pretty good game, other than maybe on third down. I was not impressed with the third down calls, but you know, I, I'll, I'll give him a pass on this because overall the play calling was relatively good. Um, I, I really was impressed the way he used Mike Davis. Mike Davis came in and I felt like the offense didn't miss a beat. Um, of course, as dynamic as McCaffrey is, Davis filled in admirably. And, you know, I like the fact that he got other backs involved. Bonifon, mm-hmm. you know, Curtis got some carries. So, and heck, I mean, honestly, he could actually give DJ some carries too because he's used to rushing the ball too. So mm-hmm. let's 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 do some things that are creative <clears throat> on this offense while McCaffrey's out. And maybe when we bring McCaffrey back into the offense, you know what I'm saying? We'll, we'll have some tricks in our sleeves. So when we go and face some of these tougher teams, you know, we'll have something for them that they're not prepared for. Yeah, I think it'd be easy for an offensive coordinator, particularly a new one, coming into the NFL to have the star and say, let's make everything revolve around the star which is a good strategy, but sometimes it can become myoptic in that you don't see everything else that's going on around you. Like most of Carolina's offense has been around Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey, but now you're starting to see more DJ Moore, which I remember last week we were talking, this was something you wanted to hear or wanted to see more DJ Moore. I think we're starting to see that. We see Mike Davis running the ball. There's less reliance upon the running back position to drive the offense now we need receivers to drive the offense we need the quarterback to drive the offense um i think they're diversifying and seeing how um doing multiple things can help make the offense move yeah i agree and and like i said you know the play calling was pretty good and the offensive line played well teddy played well overall you know the offense did what it needed to do to win the game um also but there's one concern I, I will say i'm concerned in the second half of game so far so far i've noticed in the third quarter the panthers seem to stall on offense and i'm wondering is that just a lack of adjustments is that just continuity i mean what happens in the third quarter that causes this team to not do anything for some reason it's really different by team. I, I've, I've coached plenty of teams that come out in the third quarter and kill it. I've coached teams that come out in the third quarter and just like get killed. And I really can't tell you what the real difference is. It's not like the coaches aren't trying to make adjustments at halftime. Uh, it's just a matter of how a team's personality gets going. Um, one thing you can say is maybe that the other team's adjustments are different or better than the Panthers' adjustments. Or the Panthers are coming out and saying, let's see what happens, what they're adjusting to and adjust to their adjustments, uh, which I think would be a very poor way of handling that. But I don't know. I mean, it's just interesting. It's just a quirk. Quirk teams have, like personality quirks. And it's just something you're going to have to work through. Sorry to be boring tonight, but that's <laughs> that's the answer I have. <laughs> I, I, no, I don't think it's boring. I just think, you know, I mean, you're right. I, it's... It's just very strange that, you know, I would think, you know, after a half of football, I would think, okay, you know, especially on Sunday, I just expected them to come out and just just put the Chargers away quick. I was like, okay, we're going to come out and we're just going to blast through these guys because, you know, pretty much we had the game under control. Mm-hmm. Um, but we made it harder on ourselves like we always do. That's why we're called the Cardiac Cats, unfortunately, because we always have to make it harder than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we pulled it out and, uh, you know, overall I was satisfied with the offense, but hopefully, uh, with this upcoming game against the Cardinals, we're going to have to clean some of those things up because, uh, we're going to need to score points. Oh, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. So what about the defense? Cause I know you're chomping at the bit to talk about some of these guys. So even though I didn't get a chance to post any videos, which I apologize for the the defense did a lot of the things differently 
this week that I was very happy to see. Instead of just lining up and going at it, which is what the defense did a lot of, let's line up in our gaps, let's line up on our techniques, and let's play the the three technique, the zero technique, the the six tech, whatever you're going to play. There were a lot more stunts, which is usually a stunt is usually when your tackle wants to go outside and your defensive end comes inside or your defensive end comes inside and your tackle goes outside. Stunts and games are those kind of movements. Um, you saw a lot more of that on the defensive line, so it wasn't just let's just line up and making it easy on the offense where you line up, they see what you're lined up on, they get their blocking scheme, and they block you. It looks like the coaches on the defense decided, oh, we're going to do something different with the line. Let's not make it that easy. The second thing we saw was a lot more blitzes. I was really impressed with a lot more blitzing going on than was going on before. So that may have been partially due to the fact that you had a rookie quarterback. You're trying to like get in that rookie quarterback's head. He's not going to recognize blitzes when they're coming, so let's just go at it. But it really helped the defense to kind of throw a change up, not only to the Chargers, but hopefully to the Cardinals this week because now they have to prepare for all the stunts and blitzes where before the Panthers are just lining up and what you see is what you get. There wasn't a lot of disguising coverages, not a lot of trap games that go on in in the defense. So a lot more of that happened um, this past week. And I was pretty happy to see that go on. It helps your, helps your younger guys when you can do that because it gets the offense out of rhythm. Well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to highlight a few players. I must say Dante Jackson finally made me eat some crow. He played <laughs> one of his best games I've ever seen him play as a pro. Um in fact, um I'll have to look up the stat while we're, while we're on the podcast, but he's actually received some pretty high praise from PFF um and I think he's graded as one of the highest rated corners in the league right now. He's 34th out of a hundred for PFF. Yeah. Which is, which is, that's pretty good. Um, here, I found it right here. It says over the three weeks, Dante Jackson has allowed a passer rating of 80.6 has allowed 85 yards and one TD and also has two interceptions. Not bad. Yeah. Sounds like a number one corner to me. And, I guess my, my thought process is, Joel, do you think he can keep up this pace? Um, as long as teams don't overtly, purposely target him, he could do it. Well, he's going to... It also depends on who he's got. I mean, if... Go on. Go ahead. Uh, well, what I was going to say was, this week he's got DeAndre Hopkins. So, I mean, that's a, I think that's a bad matchup for him. Well, last I saw, wasn't he still questionable? Yeah, I saw that he might be hurt for the game, but I think he's going to play, honestly. Well, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, but if he I does, mean, I agree with you. you. Cannot just, I, I just don't think at that point I, you you as the Panthers can just one-on-one him. You're just not going to be able to do that. Maybe this might be the day where you take Rasul Douglas, put him on DeAndre Hopkins, and then double him over like the uh, Patriots like to do. They like to bracket with your number two corner and a safety over top of the other team's number one and put your number one on the other team's number two. That would also put Dante Jackson over top of probably Larry Fitzgerald. So that's not like he's getting a a break if he goes on the number two receiver. But I I just think you can't just sit there and line up one-on-one on this team. No, definitely. They have too many weapons. And and Mm -hmm. one thing I am interested about this upcoming game is I really want to see how our secondary can stack up against a good wide receiver core and not to say that the you know the Tampa Bay Bucks weren't weren't good but you know when you're missing Godwin that's not the full compliment Mm -hmm. um you know Arizona's got D Hop they've got Andy Isabella they had Larry Fitzgerald they I don't think Christian Kirk is playing this weekend so that gives us a little break but um but still I mean that's a good group of receivers and Kyler Murray's been playing really well Mm mm-hmm that's the unique thing with Kyler Murray is he can he can run around pretty well and throw um, at the same time. What what's, I know we're kind of on to the next game, so might as well just go on to the next game. Um, I think this unique their offense is the only offense of its style in the NFL. They come out of that air raid style where the quarterback reads the receivers as opposed to the defense, and the 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 running game is based on. 
extenuating or opening the passing game uh, more so than, say, a traditional NFL offense. So you have the the Cardinals at least have this advantage of we run an offense that nobody else runs. So you have one week <clears throat> to get ready for this style that you'll not see again for the rest of the season. So coaches tend to want to not put the effort in on those situations. That's where your coach, as a coach, you're like, I'm not going to ever see this again. Why am I going to spend this much time looking at this? But you have to, because when you have those kind of wide receivers sitting out there and you know that they're doing everything they can to get these receivers deep, that's how this game is played with the, uh, the um, air raid offense. You want to go deep, middle, short. That's your progression. And it all depends on where the open spaces and the defense are and can receivers get into those open spaces. So it's a whole different way of doing things. I don't think you can just line up man-to-man and just just run with these guys just because of the style of offense that they're putting out there, much less well, the players they have. Well, you know, I'll, well, let's let, – okay, still talking about the, the current – I mean, the Chargers game, but also talking about the Cardinals game. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the defense can continue the pressure – that it finally created in the Chargers game to fluster Herbert. Do you think that same pressure is going to, you know, recycle to Kyler Murray, or do we have to change how we rush? I mean, what what's going to happen? Because, you know, based on the stats, the Panthers had 21 pressures. Uh, they finally got on the board with, um, I think we had two sacks. Um, Brian Burns was just dominant on Sunday. I mean, he could not be blocked. He was in the backfield all day long. Um, Derek Brown was uh, tackling for loss. And I mean, I mean, that defensive line finally kind of showed its, its teeth a little bit, which is great, you know, because that's going to help us win games. But, um, you know, I'm kind of scared about a more mobile quarterback like Kyler Murray because he's slippery. So how do you, how do you feel like that D line stacks up against him? So I think, when it comes to quarterbacks like Kyle Murray, it's a whole defense against Kyler Murray. Um, everyone has to understand what the quarterback is and how you do it. So you may not see the sacks or the pressures, but what you might ask your defensive line to do is contain rush, which is basically you're going to kind of run in. You want to stay in your lanes, even if you're standing there in front of a defense or an offensive lineman and just stay in your lane and forcing him to stay in that pocket and throw the football. So you may not see a lot of this um, radical abandon kind of stuff that we've seen at least last week where you're you're changing people up, you're running games, you're running stunts, because that's going to, by nature, create running lanes for Kyle Murray. The other thing you could do if you want to run the stunts in the games and have an all-out abandoned pass rush, you take somebody like Jeremy Chin and you just spy him on Kyler Murray. So... You could take a lot of different approaches to the situation and hopefully mix them up. Which, you know, Jeremy Chen is athletic enough to stay with Kyler. And I actually think that mm-hmm. might be um, that might be the best thing for the game plan to just spy him and then rush. And, you know, because Jeremy Chen is already kind of like that rover in the in the secondary and in the mm-hmm. in the linebacking core. So he can definitely keep up with Kyler. And, um, yeah, I, I like that idea. That's not a bad idea. And it just depends on when you want to deploy it. I mean, you could just do a contain rush, let it sit there, force him to throw the ball. You could also try to rush him and force him to do something, let him spill, but then with the idea that you're spilling him in a certain direction. So you could do games and stunts with the idea that we're going to open up the gap between the right guard and the right tackle, and we're going to invite him to run out that that gap right there, all the while knowing that Chin knows that's where it's coming and it's going to meet him right there in the hole. You know, you you can do stuff like that on the defensive line. So I think if the uh, Panthers get creative enough, that can happen. What I'd like to see happen, here's what I would like to see happen. I would like to see Derek Brown just blow up the pocket because with these the shorter quarterbacks, and Kyler Murray's a shorter quarterback, they like to sit back in that shotgun. And what they don't want is the guard center guard wall collapsing on them. And so if you can get a couple guys like Derek Brown starting to collapse that, they're not going to like that at all. And they're going to start taking off because they won't be able to see over their heads and they'll have nothing to do, but run out right or left to try to like 
have a throwing lane to see what's going on. So definitely I think the pressure up the middle is going to be big this week for the for the Panthers. Well, you know, I guess Kawan Short picked a great week to come back because he's going to be playing. He's our best pass rush DT. So this is where he's got to earn his money this week. You know, we mm-hmm. got to see we got to see what made you, you know, one of the best pass rushing DTs in the league. So it's time to unleash those boys finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's got to come up the middle. I mean, it, even if you just have the edge rushers just kind of holding the tackles right there or forcing those tackles to go deep to invite those those spill-out lanes. Um, the the up-the-middle stuff is what you have to have to force Kyler to be uncomfortable. The edge stuff isn't going to bother him so much as the up-the-middle stuff. So if you can get a double-A gap blitzes, if you could bring Chen every once in a while up the middle, it's got to be that stuff up the middle. Well, you know, and going back to the Chargers game, one thing that our defensive line is still struggling with, we're not able to set the edge yet, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Brian Burns, especially, he he just has not figured that out. Gross Matos is struggling right now. Uh, you can definitely tell he's a rookie. Uh, Obadas, he's doing okay. It's just right now our defensive ends do not know how to set a run edge. And if you have a a decent you know quarterback with some speed, or if you have a running back that's kind of slippery like Eckler was last week, they are destroying the edges of our defense. They are just going around. Avoiding the middle, so they're not running up the middle, but they're just eating up those edges, and our defensive ends don't know what to do. Yeah, I wouldn't go up the middle on the Panthers right now. If I was an offensive coordinator and I'm making a game plan, I wouldn't go up the middle. I would try to go old school and put some tight ends or a hybrid tight end in the backfield as a fullback and then try to attack the edges, either that or um, run some power plays like uh, the old buck sweep or the pull to pull the guard and a tackle and attack that edge with numbers, mainly because you got Burns out there playing defensive end. That's two two fifty against a three hundred pound offensive tackle. I mean that's not a match. Weatherly can hold us up at the edge pretty well, but yeah. Other than you got your linebackers, your outside linebackers, and if you're in a nickel set, you got Chen out there, and Chen's not the greatest trying to set an edge. That's not what he does. So you never know. I mean. If I was the if I was the Cardinals, I'd be hitting the edge. Let's put it that way. Well, don't, I mean, expect them to because with Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake's a burner. You know, mm-hmm. Kenyon Drake's got speed, so I don't. I expect them to not run him up the middle. He'll be on the edges. I expect him to be, you know, flanked out in the backfield. I expect a lot of screen passes. I expect a lot of you know using him as a receiver in this game to stretch. Nothing. That's, that's what air raid is. I mean, this is like Big Twelve football coming right into the NFL. I mean, there's not a lot of. Uh, up the middle kind of stuff, unless they put you in man and run everybody long and run your quarterback up the middle, you're not getting much up the middle. So, yeah, I mean, this team is definitely built like a, a Big Twelve, Big Twelve football team is what it is. Well, the one thing that I will say this um, that I think is an advantage for the Panthers that people aren't talking about for this next game is that Matt Rule has faced King, uh, Cliff Kingsbury uh, twice, I think, in college. Or, or he's he's actually faced him a couple of times. Um, That's an interesting point, by the way. Go ahead. I, I'm interested what you're going to say on this. Because I, I, I think, you know, and Matt Rule has beaten him twice. In fact, <laughs> Matt Rule, uh, I don't know if it was at Baylor. I think it was Baylor. Baylor beat Texas Tech. And then Cliff Kingsbury got fired, you know, <laughs> after that game. So... I think, you know, Matt Rule kind of has some familiarity with Cliff Kingsbury and his system, and uh, hopefully that'll that'll show Sunday in this game. Yeah, some sad news about that game was the Texas Tech offensive coordinator was the guy who played quarterback while I was in high school. So I used to block for that guy, and then he was Cliff Kingsbury's offensive coordinator, and then he got fired as well after that job, after that game. So that one kind of hit a little home. But anyway... I, you make an interesting point about Matt Rule because he was in the Big 12. He was successful in the Big 12. If there's any NFL coach right now that's seen this offense or defensive coordinator that's seen this offense and knows how to prepare for it, it's Matt Rule and the Panthers. Yep. That's going to give them an advantage more than any other team in the NFL against them. Now, I didn't even think about this. That's a great point. I mean, they know what they're looking at already. 
they already know this is what this guy is going to do or what this offense is designed to do as we're NFL coordinators are trying to catch up. I mean, how much, how many times did Manziel and A&M go in there and like just make Alabama look silly with their air raid offense? And it took a while for Alabama and those pro style offenses in the SEC to figure our defenses to figure out what was going on. And this is kind of what's parallel happening in the NFL. They're out there running this completely different offense, and they're not really sure what they're doing with it yet. And here you've got an, a coach and staff that has seen it, has coached it, because that's what they ran under rule um, down there at Baylor was these this um, um, air raid offense. So, yeah, I mean, they know exactly what's going on with this stuff and probably are uniquely prepared to handle it. That's a great point. Yeah, I, I didn't think about it until I, you know, I saw the stat and I was like, wait a second. Matt Rule has seen Cliff Kingsbury. He should know him better than anybody. So I do feel like that experience will hopefully, hopefully come into play Sunday to help us, you know, maybe eke out another victory. And we might see the return of, because we haven't seen it yet, the the old Baylor defense they ran last year with the three defensive linemen, the three linebackers, the three, three, um, Three three six three three. I don't know what the last number five. The three three five defenses that they would run out there, or the three two six defenses they'd run out there and just have the linebackers or the safeties just run up and make tackles at the line of scrimmage. Might see that defense come back, especially if you're getting Eli Apple healthy. That might be a way to integrate him back into the situation. Is run a lot of these DBs out there and then just play back. If they're going to start to run the ball, then they come run it up and like attack the attack the uh, ball care. And I would expect Arizona to run a lot of um, RPOs this week too, just because that would keep those people back and, and from engaging at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I, you know. While Kyler Murray is slippery, one thing about him is that he definitely wants no smoke with a linebacker or a safety. So mm-hmm. he'll get down real quick. So we got to limit those those yards because, you know, if somebody's coming up to smack him, he will drop down in a second. So you're right. We got to play contain or either have a spy on him. Oh, you can play him like teams play Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson wants two things to do in his life, throw the ball over the middle and run the alley. So if you deny the alley, then you're just going to straighten him off to the sideline, you know, getting running him horizontal to the sideline, getting one yard after he ran 50 to get it. So I, you can do that with Kyler Murley too. You just got to be fast enough to do it <laughs> or played a coordinated enough defense to know when he runs, this is my role to deal with him. Can't be just one person. It has to be the whole defense understanding. This is our plan with him when he leaves the pocket. Correct. Um, also, uh, you know, to kind of recap back at the Chargers game and to preview the Cardinals game, uh, let me talk about Shaq Thompson. Shaq Thompson probably had his best game of the season last week. Uh, he had 12 uh, combined tackles. He actually uh, also had a forced fumble as well. He finally looked like the leader of that defense. Um he finally kind of showed up on the stat sheet because in Tampa Bay, he disappeared. He only had two combined tackles in uh, in the Tampa Bay game. So finally, you know, Shaq Thompson kind of had a, a coming out party um, and played relatively well. And I have to give credit because I kind of crapped on him the past two weeks to hear Whitehead did not get a pass interference call. <laughs> he gets a kudos for that. <laughs> Good job to hear. Well, as long as he doesn't give up on those Tampa twos, I'll be okay with that. But, you know, kind of giving up on that Tampa two coverage kind of irritated me. And if you're wondering what that is, go to the Facebook page. Check out the video. Oh, yeah. So real quick plug. So on Facebook, our own man, our film study guy, Joel here, he's been doing videos uh, concerning the Panthers defense. Primarily the last video study was about Jeremy Chin. So, Go to our Facebook page at On The Prowl Podcast and uh, check them out. They're really interesting. And uh, he's got a new series that's going to be coming up soon. Uh, he's calling it Football 101. And uh, if he wants to talk about that, I'll let him. Oh, yeah, sure. We're just going to go over basic concepts, what uh, what a 4-3 defense would do or what the offense would generally do in a situation. And then kind of this is what a zone run play, this is a power run play. Um, and then try to talk more nuance of – well, here's what we did, but here's what we're doing to stop that, or here's what our little wrinkle on this situation is. So, yeah, I mean, just kind of 
watching the Panthers game, see something happening on the coach's film, make a couple minute video, throw it out there, make you guys, everybody who's listening, just, just that much smarter for watching football. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, check out that, that series. It's been great. Uh, I've been watching it and I've been learning a lot. So, you know, make sure you look at that. Should be an um, interesting one this week because, because Arizona does a whole lot of weird stuff and I'm going to be fascinated with what we do to react to it. Yeah, I agree. So, um, you know, going back to the defense for the Chargers game, is there anything that stood out to you that you want to highlight? Brian Burns. He was all over the place, you know, all over the place. And because they were throwing a lot, which I don't really understand, but they were throwing a lot. He got a chance to use all his moves, speed moves, uh, spin counters off the speed move, uses his uh, speed to power conversion. He got to use some counters off that power. Um really was showing a complete kind of repertoire as a, as a pass rusher. I think he went to pass rush school at the end of the year. Well, Brian Burns has, has, he's been close all season, you know, and I think he finally, he said something in the previous interview before this game, uh, just about, he was sick of losing. Basically it's time to get to work. Uh, we can change that this week. And he really, you can kind of tell he came out with a different determination this game to say, you know what? we're going to do our best to affect the passer. We got to We got to get pressure. And it seemed like, I guess everybody just responded. Um, and I, you know, I'm happy to see that because the Panthers have always been built on having a stout defense. That's kind of our bread and butter. That's our MO. Uh, so if we can kind of get back to, you know, stout defense, a uh, good run game, but a decent to good passing game. I mean, this team's going to be hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And I think Burns would be one of those players like like Jeremy Chin that does a lot of different things on the field. I would expect to see him playing more linebacker. I would like to see him play more linebacker with his with his size and put in bigger guys on the defensive line and then use him in that role of all over the place, rushing from all kinds of different places. Um, so I, I think he can be a real asset, particularly if they're looking for those hybrid players. I think he can be one of them for you. Well, you may see that this week because that might be a smart strategy against Kyler because Burns is athletic enough to keep up with him. I mean, he did it last year when we played them. Um, if you go back and look at some of that film, Joel, you'll see Burns was Burns was pretty dominant in that game. And I don't know, you know, how much change has been on the Cardinals offensive line. Probably not much. But, um, you know, Burns really, you know, put on a clinic that game, too. So, you know, I kind of expect him to, to do the same thing again on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd love to see it again. I mean, particularly, I don't I don't think he did anything to make you think this is like a one time thing or he's just taking advantage of a of a terrible offensive tackle. He was using a lot of good skill, uh, speed, and power rush moves. So, I mean, this is definitely a sustainable kind of uh, production for him. Um, I, I like like you mentioned earlier, I'm concerned about the the run defense, and he may be better fit for an outside linebacker role for that purpose, but. Uh, definitely rushing the ball, rushing the passer. So, uh, you know, I know you normally, y- you hate kickers, <laughs> but I, I just want to say you got to love Joey Sly this week. Five for five. Come on, man. I mean, in that charge oh, game, a, that was a good effort. That was a good effort. Without him, the Panthers don't score hardly any points. Well, this is this is the argument for putting the ball in the end zone. If you put the ball in the end zone, your kicker becomes irrelevant. Which is true. But, you know, we're still a young team, unfortunately, and we're still working out some kinks. So Joey Sly is very important to the victory of this team right now. So I, I got to give him kudos. He did a great job this week. Didn't miss uh, any extra points. Did have one blocked, unfortunately, but hey, he made all his field goals. He looked good out there. He looked solid. You know, hopefully he's turning the corner too to to better consistency. Yeah, I don't I don't see much about kickers, but you got to look through kickers, and I'm not getting into it. But I, I got nothing, very little 
positive to say about kickers. Gotcha. Okay. But hey, hopefully you love long snappers, right? You love long snappers, correct? Why not? If I have to like somebody on special teams, I'll like long snappers. Well, you better like long snappers because without our long snapper, J.J. Jansen, we would not have won that game. He probably made, if not the play of the game, by downing that ball at the one oh, in the yeah. fourth quarter. Yeah. You know, without that, that was a huge heads-up play. And, um, I mean, just a, I mean, wow. Without that play, the Chargers probably are going to go down and score, and we lose that game. Well, they look like they're getting some momentum. I was – I was cons- I was confused as to why he was trying to throw the ball back out of the end zone. I mean, you kind of get it in the moment. You think, "Oh my gosh, this is going to be the situation." But once you get possession and and you're you're in possession of the ball, that's where it's at. I mean, your your momentum could take you in the end zone. It's not going to matter if you had the possession. So then you got this like three Stooges thing going on. I'm just like, the ball should be right there. So I'm glad the refs figured that one out and put it where it needed to be. Yeah, definitely. Took a little bit though. Took him a little bit. Definitely. And, and you know, I think the unsung hero of this season so far has been special teams. Special teams has played somewhat relatively solid. Uh, the punt return game and the kick return game is, has been the best that I've seen it in years for the Panthers. Um, yeah, the kick return game is good. I mean, I, at least the punt return game is good. I, I've got no issues or qualms with that. And and the kick return game, sometimes it's just a matter of just, just kneel it in the end zone. But if you're going to come out, at least get past the 25, that's been pretty good. That That's really been pretty good. It has, actually. Um, and, and you won't know, I mean, guys, you know, so Joel is still a relatively new Panthers fan. But I'm going to tell you, over – the past couple of years, this team has had so many troubles finding a good, decent, solid kick returner and punt returner. Um, and we played so many different people in that position, and nobody has stuck. You know, we've tried Christian McCaffrey. We tried DJ Moore. We tried, um, oh, my gosh, Britton Burson. Uh, for you old Panther fans, you guys remember him. Um, I mean, there's just so many people that we've tried in that position, and nobody has stuck. And Pharaoh Cooper finally seems to be the guy that has finally solidified mm-hmm. that spot. Well, I remember watching the games from last season thinking about week 12. It's like, what you guys need is like a punt catcher. Just somebody to go back there, catch the punt. Just no matter where you're at in the field, just fair catch it, catch it, move on. Because you're killing yeah, yourself I mean, trying to catch it and go forward. You're killing yourself uh, doing it. Just, just catch it and go on. 2019. Special teams killed us. Surprisingly, we lost so many games because of special teams. Well, it wasn't that way early in the season. Early in the season, it was defense and special teams was winning the ball games, and then it like all fell apart. It like fell off a cliff. Come like week seven or eight, boom, just gone. I don't know, man. I don't know, but you know, I'm glad to see that it's finally, you know, special teams have stabilized. They're making plays, um, and now that is something that. I think definitely we can see now if we have decent special teams, defense can create pressure and the offense can finally, you know, punch in an end zone. Like I said, the Panthers can, the Panthers can be in any game, you know, and also another thing that I want to highlight in the Chargers game that was so different from the Tampa game, penalties were down substantially. Mm -hmm. They, They played a relatively clean, disciplined game and did not turn the ball over. So if you have that, that's Teddy Bridgewater for you right there. That's that's Teddy Bridgewater for you though. I mean he's he's not going to turn it over when he's being him. He's not going to turn it over, but he's not going to like make that big play. He's not going to take that risk to win you the game, but he's not going to lose you the game. That's why it was so uncharacteristic of him in Tampa Bay that you know all those turnovers. Like where did that come from? Because that's not really him. Yeah, and, and I thought last week was really kind of a an outlier performance, I hope. Um, but, you know, this week he, he went back to classic Teddy Bridgewater, efficient, ran the offense to a T. Uh, he looked good back there. So if we can get more performances like that, and maybe even a little bit more, I, I definitely think that the offense will start to to definitely be one of those top 10 offenses that every week these guys can put up 30 points. Because honestly, they should have blew the Chargers out of the water. That shouldn't have been a game. It shouldn't have been. I mean, we we were playing too well. And we did enough to just keep them in the game. And as for this young yeah. coaching staff, I hope they learn from that and just learn to just step on people's necks. 
You're going to have to spend some extra time down in that red zone offense. You got to put the ball in the end zone. That's how you win games. You lose games by kicking field goals. Oh, yeah, definitely. If You know, you just imagine if the Panthers had scored. I mean, they were in the red zone six times. So you imagine if you score three touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like, game mm-hmm. is over. You, you don't worry about that last play of the right. game on that hook and ladder. That doesn't that doesn't become an issue, but because you let teams hang around, you give them hope. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice that really good teams, your upper echelon teams, know how to put teams away. They do. They really do. I mm-hmm. mean, if you if you watch Kansas City, if Kansas City gets you down, heck, if they're up by two scores, you're over pretty much. It's done. Mm-hmm. Even the Ravens understand that. Yeah, yeah, you know, so, you know, for us to take that next step as a team that can win the games we're supposed to win, we got to put teams away. We can't sit there and, you know, keep teams around, keep kicking field goals. I mean, and I get it. It's going to happen. You know, your offense is not going to click every week. But these performances like we had on Sunday with the Chargers, that's got to be a rare occasion. We got to get in the end zone. Well, you got to hope that. This was also a learning curve without having Christian McCaffrey as some of the red zone stuff. And you hope that the coaches go back and say, okay, we got to rethink our red zone offense now that we don't have Christian McCaffrey in this situation. It sounded like, or at least it looked like, um, that they rethought some of the offensive stuff between the 20s. You know, between the, the 20s. But once you got inside the end, the red zone 20, it just it didn't look like it had changed a whole lot and you don't have the dynamic players to make that kind of stuff work. So let me ask you this. Do you feel like I'm going to play a devil's advocate. Do you feel like the Panthers play better without Christian McCaffrey or do you still feel like he is a needed? I think think they may have gotten the one week. Like we got to rally around and pick this up and play it better. The real test will be next week. You know, if you can, my gosh, we just lost our running back. Everybody's got to step it up. You can get a week out of that where everybody steps it up and does it something. You know, eventually that becomes the new normal. And when it becomes the new normal is when we'll figure out, like, can they play without Christian McCaffrey? Okay. Gotcha. So um, I just want to pat myself on the back because I did predict a Panthers win last week. There you go. And I was right. So, Joel, I'm going to go ahead and ask you, what's your prediction for the Cardinals game? What do you feel? You know, I was uh, your point about Matt Rule is really making me rethink my 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 you know prediction of the Cardinals here. I mean, I'm now thinking that the Panthers have a, a bigger shot at this than I thought before. Uh, I'm still going to think that this offense is going to be well. See, you're just negating my offense, my my discussion of this being such a different offense. It may be different to a lot of the players and. I don't know if they're going to come together fast enough to make it happen. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals on this one. Okay. Um, but but I will say this. If the offense can come out and make this a a like a shootout, I think they got a chance because I think the Panthers defense is better than the Cardinal defense. If – here's my caveat, right? There's always a caveat. If – they still do the stunts in games and they still do the blitzing and make it something other than just line up. Cause if they just line up and go at it, then those linebackers don't have a chance because those offensive linemen are going to get to the second level because there's no protection from the defensive line in front of them. If, if the Panthers come out and they're playing Bravion Roy and Derek Brown and, and the whole crew up there, just the, the big, fat, big, ugly guys. They put three of them across the board, play Burns at a linebacker position, put your linebackers out there, and go with kind of like your 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 heavy defensive line team and your speed linebackers and heavy and, or in your uh, big defensive back packages like your nickels and dime packages. I think they're going to have a chance to keep up with the team. And it's what they did in college, what Rule did in college. So um, I don't know. I mean, I think it'll be closer than I thought it was going to be. So I'm going to give it a toss up, but I still like the Cardinals. Well, you know what? For the second week in a row, I'm going to go with the Panthers. And I'm going to tell you why. Once again, I think rules for familiarity with the the offensive scheme is going to come into play. Also, Phil Snow's um, 
familiarity because you know he's mm-hmm. been with rules, so he he kind of knows this offense. And I also feel like um, the X factor for Sunday is going to be the fans. The Panthers are finally going to allow fans into the stadium. And even though it'll be a small amount, I think that's going to give the team the extra little boost and hype to really want to play up to that. So I'm hoping that the fans will be a motivation for these guys to come out and win their first home game. How many are they letting in the stadium? Only 7% right now. So there'll be like 5,300 there, but I'm hoping that, they will, you know, be loud enough to kind of. They won't really the make right fifty three hundred. Right, correct, <laughs> correct, correct. I'm hoping that you know ninety five percent of those guys will be Panther fans, and um, you know you you won't really see any Cardinals, but you never know. Buy them all a six pack before the game, so they're already rowdy when they show up. There you go. <laughs> but but I really do feel I really do feel like even though it's a small contingent of fans, I do think the Panthers, being a young team, coming off their first win, I think they're going to be geeked up, and I think they're going to be ready to come out and uh, they're going to play fast and physical like they did last week. So um, you know, I, I feel like uh, this will be the week we finally in the second half turn it on. I don't know why I just get this feeling that. I think maybe we've figured out some things. Um, we're going to have a few bumps and bruises because DeAndre Hopkins is a monster. That guy is so good. He's going to get his. I already know that. But I feel like if we can contain him, make sure Kyler doesn't break the pocket, keep him in the pocket, I, I really do feel like we can we can outscore these guys. I really do. Yeah, if you think you're going to shut somebody down like, like DeAndre Hopkins or Kyler Murray, I mean, I think that's not the goal. You know they're going to get their runs. You know they're going to get their passes. The 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 goal is to keep them from scoring and hurting you with points. If you can stop that part of it, you can give up a 20-yard run. If it's on their side of the ball, that may put them on your 40 as opposed to their 40, or it may put them on the 50 as opposed to their 30. You can give that stuff up. But when you get down onto your half the field, you've got to really kind of start to limit that stuff. So. Yeah, I like the prediction. So I, I mean, I know that uh, other teams that I follow have fans in the stands. It's a big difference to have fans in the stadium as opposed to not. It, you would you would think that five thousand people wouldn't mean a whole lot or or whatever, but it's a big difference in terms of like the crowd noise. They'll sound like twenty thousand fans, even if they're just five. Yeah, and that, and that's what I'm hoping for because I, I really feel like. Like I said, this young team is finally going to be able to kind of have some some fans in the stadium, and I think they're going to be they're going to be excited. They're going to be excited, and they're going to be geeked up. And I'm just I'm expecting a build off of what we saw against the Chargers, a fast physical defense, and I think finally the offense is going to start to kind of click a little more. And you're right, it's going to be a shootout. Uh, so. Um, but I think the Panthers overcome it. I really do. I think I think Rule and his familiarity with Kingsbury and this offense is one of the X factors and the fans as well. So Panthers win, I think. Well, I hope so. Yeah, it definitely. I want to see it happen. I it totally want to see that happen. It, it makes the show a lot easier to talk. <laughs> it's, it's easier to talk about a win than it is a loss. So it would definitely help us. Yeah. Yep. So, well, awesome, man. Is there anything else regarding the Chargers game or the upcoming Cardinals game that you want to discuss? No, I think I got my stuff out. I'm good. So, guys, thank you for listening. So, check us out on Facebook at On The Proud Podcast. Also, we're on Instagram, On The Proud Podcast. Look us up. And once again, um, keep pounding. Keep pounding.